I'm going down in improv town, down in improv town. Hi, I'm Spruce Springsteen, and when I'm not appearing on Broadway, I like to listen to the Improv Town podcast with Clayton Bichard, born in the USA. It's episode 126 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Heather Urquhart. Hi, Stuart. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, right. So we are. We're sitting on the stage at a nursery theatre. Whose idea was that, Stu? It was my idea. That's absolutely right. Just for the listeners at home, Stuart insisted on uh, us taking our chairs from the theatre space <laughs> in the auditorium onto the stage. So we're, we're basically doing an audience with yes. at the moment, but there's no audience. Uh, well, no. Um, well, I, I think it all counts as stage time, you see. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Why not? It's making me feel more like... Yes. ...presented. Right, OK, cool, cool. So... Let's talk about unbridled, improvised Jilly Cooper. Thank you. I'm so delighted that you asked me to come on and talk about this because I'm really, really excited and directing this as part of the Nursery Originals. So it's January 2019 and this will be on for the next five weeks. So if you're listening to this in that time frame, please come. And if you're not, <laughs> keep listening because this is all super fun and interesting. So where did the inspiration come to do improvised Jilly Cooper because I have to say when I saw it announced I I thought I thought I'd seen everything in improv <laughs> I'd become slightly maybe a little filled with ennui and then I thought oh Heather's doing improvised Jilly Cooper there are still new things to learn in the world well technically as of receiving some legal letters oh. this week um, it's not actually improvised Jilly Cooper it's just improvised stuff with sex and horses right uh let's let's talk no more about that but i'm sure you can gather what i'm saying um uh, the jilly cooper estates have been in touch really? so um but it's, it's that's i mean that's a whole other thing we could talk about but i think you know we've had a few of those before um through doing homages to mm. different styles and authors and most of the time it's been fine um so anyway just at the moment we're sort of still uh, talking about that. So ah. today it's just unbridled. However, going back to your original question, um, I, as a teenager, used to read Jilly Cooper books, um, some, sometimes for the, the stories, <laughs> and sometimes for the horseplay. For the horseplay in both senses of the word. <laughs> you know, a young, blossoming woman blossoming into womanhood. But the funny thing is, I think a lot of people, particularly women, I don't know for sure, have that sort of bit of in their brain of reading Jilly Cooper at that age. And I mean, it's super kitsch, it's super 70s, it's really over the top. So actually, it was my flatmate. We were, I can't, we were just talking about Jilly Cooper at home. She's got those Jilly Cooper books on the, on the bookshelf upstairs. And we were like having a memory lane about it. And she's not an improviser. She's one of the few people I know that is not an improviser. And she was like, oh, oh my God, you should totally do improvise Jilly Cooper. And I was like, Yes, I should. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that like over the years, you know, um, I've got a list of, uh, can you hear that? Yes. <laughs> There's a wave coming in. Hello. That'll be the building 
Um, are they, we won't have any control over that, will we? Should we just carry on? Yes, Heather's already unplugged more things than I thought was advisable of the nursery to try and reduce the background this, this noise. This one is definitely not me. Maybe the air conditioning had to come on because I was talking about Jilly Cooper. Maybe, because I know I'm a little bit hot under the collar. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, over the years I've had loads and loads of ideas of like really like cool, high art, amazing projects that I would have wanted to have done. You know, I've got like a list of like 25. Um, but funnily enough, I've ended up doing this one, which was not my idea, was not something that I thought would even work. I kind of thought, oh, that'll be ridiculous. And that the whole spirit of the whole thing has been like, oh, that'll be ridiculous. So we may as well do it. You know, it hasn't been like a kind of like, this will be my life stream. But I think that's another thing about the Originals project, which is really cool, is that like, it's just something that exists in its own little bubble and then it's done. Yeah. More like theatre. Because I think a lot of the times, you know, when you're an improviser, you think, oh, I've got this amazing show that I want to do. And then maybe you end up doing it for, I don't know, two, three, five, ten more years or something. Because yeah. there's no end to it. But when there is one, I think it, it means you can maybe do things that are a bit more left field or risky or something. Yeah, yeah, Because you don't have to, it's not like your team for the rest of your life. It's just, this is the thing. And I think it makes you be a bit more sort of, t it's like having an affair, you know, you're a bit more temporarily in love, but it's not gonna last. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bad analogy? Um, no, it's interesting. And, in, you know, I suppose if you're having an affair, you're, you have all the excitement. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a risk. There's a danger. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with the mundane mundane day to day stuff that you do when you're in a, a loving relationship. Yeah, exactly. Don't have affairs. They are wrong. I would say. I, I would say broadly well, they are. Maybe this uh, one's like know. an affair where the other person knows and they're cool with it. Ah. Uh, oh, but then you don't have the danger. It's if I mean. I'm all about consent, so... Uh, yeah, well, me too. Consent. Yay! <laughs> um, which actually is something that has come up in uh, improvised sex and horses, as we're calling yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. It has. Because, well, let's talk about the sex side of it, um, rather than the horse side of it. So you've, you negotiated um, with the team where their boundaries lie. Can you... Maybe talk us through that process. I absolutely can. I'd be delighted to. Um, I mentioned in the audition notice, um, you know, like kind of somewhat jovially don't apply if you're not comfortable with um, sexual content or wearing jodhpurs, um, which kind of was a kind of nod to the fact that I didn't want to take the thing too seriously, but was a serious point. You know, mm. like you can't come and do a show that's based on sort of mild erotica and not expect to have sexual content. But um, yeah, it's been really interesting negoti negotiating it together as a group, really. I think because um, Jules and I have run the intimacy workshops for many, many years through doing 10,000 Million Love Stories. So I've got a bit of experience about like talking to people about maybe negotiating stage kisses or proximity to other people on stage. Um, but this has been interesting because, of, co of course, it's been a lot of like verbal content, I guess, you know, like... <laughs> Just the words for things, uh, you know, or like the way you say, you, the way you ask for things, the way you say things is like graphically sexual as opposed to like the romantic, soft, embarrassing thing. Um, so that's been really interesting uh, coming in it from that different angle. And 
I'd say the main thing that I've discovered through this is um, th to, to talk about it, and actually uh, over the last few years, especially with me too, you know, because I think that's had a huge impact on, on the improv scene. Um, but especially in the wake of that, I've started talking about that in classes and sort of maybe saying on, on week one of a course, we're going to be working together for a couple of months. Uh, does anyone have anything that we need to know? You know, And it might not be about um, physical boundaries or emotional boundaries, or it might be an injury. It could be anything. Like, we don't know what people's mm. stuff is. And for the most part, um, people are generally fine. But the other thing I think that's difficult is that if someone does have something they're sensitive about, maybe they don't want to say it to a room full of people at the beginning of a yeah. eight-week course, or maybe they don't know because they've never been in that situation before. So the main thing I think I've discovered is it's not a one-time conversation. You know, it's like, this week, I feel fine. Next week, I might not, you know. So just to keep um, keep checking in, uh, if, if there's a particularly graphic scene to be like, hey, how did everyone feel about that on stage and off, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's not just, were you in the scene? You might not, I don't want to be in a show where people are humping each other's legs and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so just... Yeah, making sure everyone's fine with it, and just and and it's not just like I've said I'm fine with kissing, therefore it's carte blanche to always kiss me because you know people feel different on different days with different people. Um, so that has been really cool, and I think again because of just keep keep bringing it up, even if you think it's boring and you've talked about it fifty times, just keep checking in. That hopefully makes people feel a bit more comfortable. Mm. And as um, like Ginny was saying in the blog. It's really more been um, stupid references to sex rather than like more kind of emotional heavy ones. And I think again, the comparison with maybe doing more sort of sort of serious theatrical, emotional, you know, like heart bleeding, sad stuff. I think that's maybe got more potential to be like triggering for mm. people than, you know, slapping each other's butts and talking about people's cocks. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But, you know, um, I, I think the point is, like, when it's when it's trekked with a lot of brevity, mm. uh, it, it feels less sort of scary and painful. Levity or brevity? Brevity. What did I say? You said brevity. What did I mean? Levity? I think I probably did. I mean, either is interesting. No, did I, did, I did mean levity. Okay, you, so you're laughing at it rather than just mentioning it really quickly and yeah. then moving on. Well, both. Okay. Cock. Uh -huh. <laughs> Taken 126 episodes, but we've got to that stage. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and and again, I think you know, nobody really wants to. I don't know. People want to watch all kinds of things on stage, but I think you know when it gets too private, people don't want to see that anyway, do they? Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the one of the conventions in the show, for example, is if we ever get to the point where there's nothing else for the characters to do but have sex, we're just doing like the eighties fade out. All oh, right. Yeah. You yeah. know, like do you remember in the eighties that it would literally like black out. Yeah, yeah. And then it would come up again, and they'd be smoking. Ah, lovely. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. just going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think um, you can communicate a lot more with the the tension side of it. I think. Yes. What I mean is, sorry, I'm trying to work out what I mean. People don't want to anatomically see sex, do they? On an improv, on an improv stage. Stuart is giving me so many, 
In case you're wondering why I keep changing my answer, Stuart <laughs> is giving me so many eyebrow raises right now. <laughs> He's just inviting me to say more. That's very much what I'm doing. I'm yeah. just saying people don't want to watch. Well, <laughs> it's not improvised porn. It's improvised Jilly Cooper or horse horse show, <laughs> literary horse show. <laughs> is that what it is? Improvised literary horse show. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess it is now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what people want anymore. <laughs> I don't either, but I think... Well, look, maybe it's the same principle, like people enjoy shows when the, the performers are comfortable. Yes. Whatever yes. the genre of the show, when the performers are clearly in a healthy ensemble and they're having a good time and they're relaxed, yeah. you know, that's what people enjoy watching. Yeah. If, you know, if you go and see a show and the people seem a little nervous, it can make you nervous. And then you start worrying about them and you're yeah. you know, they okay and all that sort yeah, of stuff. And yeah, and you yeah. maybe don't relax in the audience. So it's that principle, I guess, isn't it? That like if someone's in a, a scene, whether it be a sex scene or a murder scene or, or whatever, that they need to be comfortable for the audience to be comfortable. Mm. Um, for it to just be enjoyable for everyone, I guess. Yeah. Sex or no sex. And and I think, funnily enough, we've been talking a lot about how the rules for violence on stage are so similar to the rules for sex on stage, right? You need mm. to preempt it. You need to make sure your partner's comfortable. The same as if you're going to stage punch someone, you need to signal it the same as you're going to stage kiss someone, you know, just mm. so the person has an opportunity to improvise with you rather than being assaulted yes um yeah does that answer all of that i think so okay good i mean it answers most of it but i um i have to say i've been reading i've reading your uh, blog post on the uh, the nursery uh, theater website and um uh you indulge in a variety of mini workshops yes um there's some mime work going on yes some orgasmic mime work <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the mind work I'm interested in, not interested in the other mind work. Well, again, we were talking about how... Uh, no, we weren't. I. I was talking about <laughs> how if you, you know, if you can't show things on stage, how can you suggest things? And the same way as, like, using suggestive um, language, you know, someone's flower or someone's, you know, like, hairy tower, for example. Um, they're really, really bad examples, by the way. The cast, much the much ca better examples will be used in the production. Yeah, the cast are way better than I am. We don't want to burn through them here. Exactly. Um, but in the same way as that, um, sort of playing up the tension of something is, is far funnier and more interesting than the actual sex. Mm. So I was just talking about how um, like the parallelogram phonograph thing of like villainy, someone is, is as much of a villain as you make them. Like if someone comes on and they're really high status and sinister, if no one reacts to them, then they're not a villain, right? Yeah. They're just not. So in the same way of like if things are going to be sexual, people need to react to them sexually. So it was just the end of a rehearsal the other day and, and there was a scene in which um, two people were driving along in a car and one of the characters was like incredibly turned on by um, the way the other character was like moving the gear stick and it just gave me this idea like oh yeah of course that people are only as kind of like erotically charged as they choose to be by what's going on around them so we just did a stupid stupid uh, workshop of you know someone would 
give someone else a, an activity to mime. <laughs> person A gives person B an activity. Like, for example, what would an activity be, Stuart? Um, uh, mixing some cake mix in a bowl. Fantastic. What a great example. So you're going to go from, you know, like measuring out the flour and cracking the eggs in. I mean, it, imagine the cracking the eggs reaction. <laughs> and person C just has to react to it um, in a kind of... Uh, hot under the collar sort of way <laughs> a kind of when harry met sally cats right. diner type yes type thing and my god it was so fun <laughs> so there should be a bit of that in the show everyone's had their orgasm in front of the room out of the way now so should be should be fun sounds like it's going to be amazing um i hope they go for it we'll see i'm sure they will yeah we've got quite a you know You've got a good team of people who know what they're doing. Great so. team. Very excited. Uh, you also had some mini workshops on double-barrelled double names. Yes. Um, again, I think um, for me, whenever I work on any show or any style of improv or any, any exercise, I think there's this and there's how it relates to everything else. And I think um, one of the features of uh, this sort of work is the double-barrelled surname. I mean, it's a classic. You totally associate it with that style but but on the other hand the bigger picture is when you're doing any kind of narrative a kind of longer show where you're making it up in the moment you kind of need to know who everyone is and how they relate to each other mm. and names are so uh, difficult and so useful that I just think that generally we don't practice them enough so mm. it's been quite nice to have the excuse of using incredibly long overcomplicated names because it's genre specific but also it's great to know who everyone is and how they relate to each other. And, you know, if people have the same surname. Are they uh, family related? Are they married? You know, like thinking about how everybody relates to each other. So, um, and drilling it, basically. Yeah, really mm. going, okay, I want to know what everybody's full name is in this show. It's not just, you know, calling someone darling for the whole of it and hoping you get away with it, which I do all the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's been really nice to to focus on it you know uh, so how how do you remember names when you i mean there's the kind of the rule of if someone establishes a name they should try and say it three times in rapid succession yeah i mean i think repeating it way more than you think you should mm. the other thing that i found really useful is um it's actually an exercise that dylan emery came up with and i think we only ever did it once in showstopper but um i've used it loads which is giving people names that actually sound like names of that character so um what is the name of a tennis instructor from gloucestershire you know they're not going to be called like star child 404 right yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean they could be but it as in like within the circle of expectation right yes what are the kind of names that you actually expect these people to have so if you were doing um an improvised uh, charles dickens you might have mr nasty bastard or something yeah like that, exactly or... yeah um and yeah, just also maybe not going with your default names. I mean, yes. I don't know about you, but I feel like there are a lot of Marjorie's and Derek's. Ah, um, Jess is oh, weirdly right. my okay, go-to one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of Jesses, and so I'm trying to stop Jess. Although you're lucky, because Jess is like quite a common good name for people. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good choice, but I just yeah. think, oh, I'm relying on that as my go-to. Um, so, yes, yeah. And maybe it's also a bit of a block, I think, like... I find the responsibility of giving someone a name can be a little bit scary, mm. 
but again just like anything the more you do it the more you overuse the skill the less of a sort of heavy weight thing to do mm. it seems it's like okay great I'm, there's a hundred names I could use it's fine to just pick one of them you know and then when the weird ones come out that's great as well yeah well um, uh, Jonah uh, Faisal always I don't know if he always says it, but he certainly said it to me. And that, and also using the surname is also particularly powerful, which is obviously what you're doing in yeah. this because it's part of the genre conceit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you go one step further, also like nicknames for people, you know. So you know someone's called I don't know, <laughs> Jelly Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, Jelly Cooper's nickname is Jolly Super. I did not know that. I only found that out recently. Right. What a great nickname. But yeah. again, you know, you've got someone who exists so much that not only do they have a full name, yeah. but they also have their then dear friends have a nickname for them, which is based on their full name. That's that's really second higher level kind of I mean that's brilliant, but it's that's having the confidence to not only be confident that you know what, what the character's name is and then to kind of take it to a next level sort of thing. That's a really that's a really lovely thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it always works, yeah. but I think names are so important and in our real lives, we have so many pet names for, you know, our best friends and our loved ones. Why not? Why yeah. not put it on stage? Yeah, that's a lovely As in life do. on stage, eh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you also did uh, mini workshops on show jumping. Correct. <laughs> we realised that absolutely none of us knew anything about <laughs> horses at all. and uh, Not out. even Ginny Lyons. No, not even Ginny. I mean, you'd think that she would, but it turns out no. Um, but Bella uh, really, really did. So she gave us a little um, talk on uh, gymkhanas and uh, show jumping events and polo. And actually, we might go on a group outing to go and watch some show jumping. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're committed. That sounds amazing. Yeah, why not? Get, yeah. Get involved. It's really good if you can get that sort of extra level of detail. Yeah, totally. And why not... Uh, yeah, take the opportunity to go and be in a totally different world. You yes. Know? So, how would you, if if show jumping came up in a in a production, how would you do that on stage? Um, would you fade the lights, <laughs> start the start the gym car, fade the lights down, fade the lights up, and then see what happened at the end? Oh, I see what you mean. Um, I think there's a lot of devices you can use. Um, I think narration is fantastic for anything. Mm. If you're doing something that's maybe based on books, it's great because it's in keeping. But any sh any show, I mean, I love scene painting and character painting in any show just to like be able to step out and say this person's wearing this or we see this thing happen. Um, and then doing things in miniature as well. Oh, yes. I mean, we haven't lovely. actually worked on that much. But again, you know, I remember seeing um, Easy Action from Montreal and they do um, a two-person improvised action movie and they quite often mess with perspective yes you know so someone's falling off a cliff it'll be like in miniature um slow motion yeah i think there's a lot of things you can do yeah. um to create the illusion or again like you say just skip past it and again have the reaction to it happening yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what's so great about stage isn't it like you don't have to have billion dollar budgets mm. to make people feel like this amazing thing is happening it's mm. cool it is cool the stage is cool uh yeah so you mentioned you mentioned narration as a something that you'll be using is mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. is that part of setting the scene at the start or yeah hundred um well we don't have a, a set structure because um 
as much as I think structures can be really useful, but they just put me personally in my head. I prefer to think of it as like a bunch of like tools that you can pull out your belt should you need them. Um, and, um, and what's fun in that given moment. So because uh, describing someone is such a feature of the books, why not have fun with it? And I can do you now. Um, he sat there wearing a dusky purple shirt, the mother of pearl buttons gleaming under the fluorescent lights. He laughed and shook his head as his sandy blonde hair tumbled over his forehead. Like that. It's fun, mm. isn't it? It's amazing. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so we just have a, a lot of fun with um, just over-describing what somebody looks like. You know, great. Love it. <laughs> and uh, realistic animals. Tell me about those. Okay, last thing. I'm super proud of this, is that I love playing animals in improv. I'm in a troupe with Rhiannon and Vivian. If anybody knows her, they'll know that you pretty much spend your whole life being an object or an animal. And <laughs> God bless her for that. It's the best. Um, but I thought because like talking animals are such a feature of improv. Depending on which uh, improv school you belong to. True, absolutely. Some schools have very strict rules. Do they? Yeah, UCB. It's in the comedy manual, no talking animals. Really? Yeah, because they can't talk in real life. They shouldn't talk on stage. How interesting. That seems a sad shame. Sorry, UCB, but come on, don't you want a talking table? <laughs> I don't know about objects, but I, I remember um, animals shouldn't talk. Yeah, there's a lot of shoulds in that book. That is but true. we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> well, I. Yes, another time. And I was just going to say, well, it was interesting. Uh, yes, so there are a lot of shoulds in that book, but I found that interesting because it, it communicated one particular point of view. Mm. So I found that I don't particularly have a UCB approach, but I found I learned lots from that book because it was very definitive about this is what it should be. That's... I didn't necessarily always agree, but it was like yeah. I understood where they were coming from. It's true, actually, and I think that, I f I think that students get a lot out of um, very specific do's and don'ts and rules to start with yeah um which is terrible business model for me because <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it because it's not true i don't believe it you yeah, know yeah, yeah. I, I just don't um uh but yeah i think you're absolutely right like y if someone states a strong point of view about what they think works then then you know how you feel about it you're right but yeah, with the talking animals, and, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I, I do I did agree with UCB in this case. Because oh. like, <laughs> in the books, the animals don't talk. Right, yes. But that's because we're doing genre specific, yes. right? So they're a huge feature <laughs> of the books. And they're people's like spirit guides and best friends. Yeah, and people yeah, always yeah. go off and retreat to their horse box and cry into the horse's mane and stuff. <laughs> um, and the horses really have characters. In fact, all the animals do, but they don't speak. They're just, a lot of the time, what the um, what is reflected from the character into their into their companion. So I was like, we're going to have loads of animals, because it's true of the books, mm. and they're not going to talk, because it's true of the books. Yeah, but yeah. the other thing that's been fantastic is that um, if someone's on stage with their beloved animal, it yeah. gives a chance to see them on their own. Ah. You know, and, and, and hear their inner monologue a little bit and yeah, find yeah. out, you know, what's really going on. Um, and they've got a cute dog next to them while they're doing it. So yeah, it's been that's been really making people be animals and making them not talk has been yeah. a good uh, discipline. Yes, because I imagine if you were an animal, it would be very tempting to try and pull focus because even though you're not speaking, you can do things as an animal that can make an ironic comment or you know undercut what's going on. 
Yeah. Perhaps you don't want in this particular genre. Yeah, I mean, maybe you want a bit of both. Because again, a, a, a timely nay, <laughs> you know, like it can sort of punctuate, can't it? And and, and, and highlight the comedy, uh, especially if someone's bad. Yeah. You know, if there's two characters on stage and the animal is cold to one, but like incredibly affectionate to the other. <laughs> so again, you know, it's a really good thing of like, bad guy, boo, <laughs> pantomime, his. Because um, again, it is big brush strokes and stuff, yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. is also fun. Yeah, so um, yeah, you mentioned that. So it's a, a thing of extremes. Yeah, absolutely. I've the more I've done this, the more I've been like, oh, it's basically like a pantomime, um, because of the bit. Yeah, the big characters. I've sort of said to people, if you go on stage, make a decision about if you're good or bad, yeah. which I wouldn't normally do because it's not uh, doesn't lead to subtlety. Um, but that's not what this show is about. <laughs> um, uh, are you good or bad? Do you love or hate the person you're on stage with? Again, it's not subtle, but it really is um, useful. And also just assuming massive backstory. You know, assuming that you used to be married to this person, but then they left you for their secretary. Uh, but then you were on the same bridge. You know, like, right. it's incredible to just um, to make those kind of choices. But again, just like with the name thing, can we use this stuff more in other shows as well? You know, like, I love to see people making huge choices about that because I think we're such nice, for the most part in improv, we're such nice people yeah. and we're so supportive. And, you know, you see a lot of stage um, scenes that start with people, like, checking out where the other person is mm. and, and building something slowly with them, which I love. Mm. Um, but I think there's also room for just... 60 miles an hour straight out the gate you know yeah. um annoyance style um and giving ourselves permission for that as well yes the few times when i've come on and just been evil for i am not evil in real life contrary to my reputation yes um, he said looking <laughs> over at the yeah yeah sorry i'm getting carried away <laughs> No, I, I'm happy for you to narrate everything I do. Um, obviously, you don't want to do it all the time. And, you know, yeah, you do want to make sure that the people you're doing it with are going to be all right with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's very powerful. And yeah. Lots of fun. So fun. So fun. Um, yeah, great practice for other stuff, you know, for character work and this, that and the other. So, yeah, just I like to always think, okay, this is great for this, but what's useful about this that would be useful for other stuff? Which I think, you know, I always say musical improv. A lot of people hate it. I love it. It's my favourite mm, thing in the world. Right, me too. But if people don't like singing or music, fair enough. I get it. It totally, it totally changes the improv. But I'm like, if you never do another music workshop again, just do one because of the commitment thing. Mm. You know, the commitment thing is huge. And I think everyone should experience that. Mm. No, I 100% agree. Um, so I think that's the, the lovely thing about trying different types of improv is that um, it gets you to know what you love and what's useful and what you can use. You know? If you do a musical improv workshop or a rap workshop or something like that, how much more fearless on stage are you going to be? Because, you know, if those things come up and those things do come up, you know, at least you, you've got some grounding in it, you know. So you're not doing it for the first time on stage in front of everyone else. Yeah, totally. And it's such a um, it's such a, a a big area of fear for so many people, mm. and I really don't think it's that scary. Or even if it is that scary for people, which I totally understand as well. You know, people have 
um, di difficult relationships with singing voices and stuff, maybe because of like childhood experiences and so on and so forth. Like someone said, you can't sing, and, and then you, you carry that with you. There's some things that just really, really make me angry. One is people that close libraries, um, and the other is, I'm still angry about that, um, and the other is people who tell children they can or they should, they cannot or they shouldn't sing. And I'm just like, oh, singing is such a gift. It's such a part of being human. Yeah. You know, not everybody's going to be an amazing singer, but you don't need to be an amazing singer. No. Just the opportunity for that emotional release you get when you sing. Yeah, totally. People will deny other people. That makes me really angry. Yeah, and I think it happens all the time. I mean, just based on the statistics of the workshops that I do, you know, the amount of people that kind of come up at the beginning and they're like, oh, listen, I need to apologise for being here. Yeah. I can't sing. And I'm like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> and also, it's probably not true. Most of the time, it's not true. yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, some people say, oh, I, they don't even sing in the shower yeah. just in case someone might hear them. Yeah, you know? that's awful. It's like, oh, my God. You know, that's one of my life's missions is to get people more comfortable with making a noise. Yes. Whatever that noise may be. And I think with musical improv is, yeah, sometimes you will see uh, someone that is an amazing singer and it'll be, it will be fantastic. There have been times... Um, I think I'm thinking of Lisa Lynn, mm. who is just an amazingly talented performer. And when you see someone that can really can sing, it is like, oh yeah, that's how it could be, and that is just amazing. But then there are other people who are just going for it, and they can't sing for Toffee, but it doesn't matter no. because the audience love them, you know, just as much, if not more. Yeah, exactly. And I always use the example of Rex Harrison. I've always worried that I use the same examples in every interview that I do. I so. That's fine. I hope this isn't the same as the last one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Rex Harrison, you know, like, he was the lead in two major uh, motion picture musicals. And the man doesn't sing a note throughout <laughs> either of them. You know, he just sort of si speak sings yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout them all. And, but he's him and he's charming and it's great, you know. So, um, yeah, just do what you have got to do to express yourself, man. Yes. Yes, I encourage people to express themselves. As you should. I'm, I'm a little bit, um, hey listener, I'm a bit worried because Stuart's got highlighted. <laughs> He's got pieces of paper and they're highlighted and I'm, I'm nervous. I should say that this is probably the one time in the whole history of the podcast where this has actually happened. I know, um, you've changed, man. <laughs> well, I was at work and I was on the nursery website because that's a legitimate part of my work. Um, no, actually, I think I was on Facebook. Uh, and I saw that uh, there was a post about uh, improvised sex and horses. So I thought, well, I should probably print that out and underline a few yeah, things to ask you uh, about. it's uh, research. Research? Research or Re research? Research. That sounded the same to me. So we said it. Research. 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 I would say research. Research. Okay. Research. I'd say research. Yeah, I think research is English and research is American. It's fine. I think. Well, anyway, you were doing one of those things. Yes. Um... So there are darker parts of the Julie Cooper novels. How do you deal with sexism, class divide and gender inequality in creative ways? Oh, Christ, Stuart, how do you? What did I say in my I blog? Think according to this, <laughs> from mucking around with status and playing opposite gender, it allowed us to uh, have melodramatic slaps and passionate out-of-breath seductions, all with the right level of tongue-in-cheek humour. I know, that's what John said. Oh, yes, that is right. John's eloquent and I am not that eloquent <laughs> that's why I got my cast to essentially write my blog for me so everyone send me a paragraph and then I take the glory Brilliant. um yeah it's been it's been interesting because again 
just going back to what I said before of when something exists in your brain of something you have a soft spot for from when you're a teenager this happens to me a lot with music I don't know if this happens to you but you know you've got like a song that you love that has like a special memory or a special place in your heart and then you listen to it again and part of you can hear that it's rubbish yeah but part of you just can't hear that it's rubbish because it's so strongly associated with the memory you see I have an issue with describing if a song can make you feel that powerfully mm. I would say that it can't be rubbish you're absolutely right that's the wrong use of the word but maybe your tastes have changed or maybe it sounded different in your brain than it sounds in reality and then you go back and you listen to it and you think oh you know that that maybe that's dated or something and I, and I oh yeah and I think yeah. certainly with these books you know, in my mind, they were like harmless fun with like the kind of soft stuff thrown in. But there's a lot of stuff um, now that it's just not acceptable. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I had the same. I had the same thing a few weeks ago. I watched the producers with Jules, and I love the producers. I used to watch it so much as a teenager, and Jules had never seen it, so I was like, "Let's watch this film." And he kind of watched it open mouthed and he was like, I can't believe you like this. There's so much in it that I find like distasteful and not okay. Like the, the secretary, for example, she's just a total sex object. And there's, you know, a lot of xenophobia with the German character post-World War Two. You know, it's kind of cheap humor. Um, but, I, you know, but like the music thing. I, I the 17 year old version of me watches it and laughs mm. and I somehow blot out stuff that's a little bit less comfortable yeah. i don't know maybe i don't so much now anywho that was a long walk to a short drink of water <laughs> with the jilly cooper stuff it's like there are some things in there that we probably don't want to show on stage yeah um consent you know like you were saying before there's there's a couple of scenes that are a little bit uncomfortable well not just a little bit deeply uncomfortable in that area and I don't, I don't want to put that in a comedy show. No. I don't want to, I don't want to put that on stage and be like, look how funny this is. Um, it's not that it's supposed to be funny in the book per se, you know, but it's just, this is a comedy show. So we, yeah, we've just talked a lot about, you know, the whole punching up, punching down thing. Mm. What can you make fun of? Um, you know, a, a woman playing a kind of massively misogynistic man there's something a bit more comfortable about it um, than the other way around. And so, yeah, we've just been, I'm not saying we've solved it, but we're trying to, a bit like with the boundaries thing, just keep talking about it and being like, oh, that felt a bit close to the bone or like that felt like a really smart, funny way of dealing with it. Um, and, I, you know, it's improvised. So you don't know what's going to come up on the night. No. You don't know. I, I think that everyone in that cast is a very smart, sensitive bunch. But even so, if something happens in a show that makes people go, oh, that was a bit weird, then maybe we just talk about it afterwards and mm. maybe that gives the audience something to think about and talk about when they go home, you know? Um, so I think it's all good. Good. And, yes, final question about uh, sex and horses, improvised sex and horses. Thank you, Stuart. Um, do, you, do you get an audience suggestion at the beginning? Uh, still deciding. Yeah. We're in our last week of rehearsal. I am uh, currently asking for a county in England and a double-barrelled surname. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> but I've also toyed with the idea of asking for a particular breed of horse. <laughs> um, I've 
toyed with the idea of asking for a very, very specific backstories for all of the characters that only they know. I mean, I've gone through all kinds of things. But I, I guess the point is, is that do you want something where like, it's just like, they're going to do what they're going to do and you need to trust, you know, trust us, trust it's all us made up. Trust us, it's all made up, yeah. Or do we want to do the whole kind of like jumping through, jumping over a fence thing yes. and being like, hey, audience, give us a challenge, we'll fulfill it. Yeah. Um, and I'm closer to the first one than the second. Yes. Because I think there's already a lot in it. You know, there's yes. a lot of there's a lot of specific stuff in it. Yes. And it'd be nice to just play. Um, but it's also having the audience feel like they're in on it a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, for example, when I used to do Blyton, we used to ask for three suggestions and there's a lot of like super like witty in the sense of like clever witty people in that cast who'd be like, yep, yeah, they could tie it all together. And and it's so impressive when that happens. Um, but I, I also, for me, I was always, always like, oh, it put me slightly in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to find a balance between um, enough of a suggestion that the audience feels like they're part of it, but uh, not so much that they can, you know, the, the cast can run free like a like a foal in spring. <laughs> yeah, because as you say, there's already a lot of sex and horses business that's going on. Yeah. You don't need the suggestion of, I'm not even going to say their names. I'm just going to move on <laughs> from the things. Yeah. You know. I mean, the fu- yeah, the funny thing is, is that like, I, I wonder how much an audience gets, because one of my, my I, I like to um, do things just because I find them funny. And I thought it'd be fun to have like a chart of all kinds of different horses. And the, audi- <laughs> and the audience picks one. Because it's, it's barely a suggestion, is it? Do you know I what I mean? That. Like That's the audience, <laughs> it's not going to really care. It's not going to have anything to do with the story. Um, that, yeah, I think that's beautiful. And then if someone could refer to that horse as being that particular type, yeah, that then it's the like box, exactly. That's all you need to do, but it, it doesn't yeah. really affect the story. But <laughs> it's kind of twee. So, if anyone listening has a chart of horses, <laughs> can they send it to me, please? Or a horse book or something like that yeah, that you can get them to give you a like page that. oh, number. That's a good idea. Just be able to get a book of horses, yeah, and then show them a picture of the horse and tell them about. You could read about read out about You're the horse. You're absolutely right. That's what I'm doing. Thanks. Solved it. Brilliant. Excellent. Solved it. <laughs> so when you're not directing unbridled the sex and horses, uh, I was going to say podcast. Then make it a podcast as well. Okay. Don't make don't make it a podcast. Don't win any more competition. Um, you're also in Showstoppers. Yes, I've just come from the other palace today before I met you because tonight is the opening night of the West End run. Which wow. Is very exciting. Yes. Um, new set. It's really lovely. Um, very nice. Very exciting. So, yeah, that's going through till March. Wow. So come and see that too. <laughs> yes, Heather's going to send me the dates that she's performing so you can make sure that you see her when she's there. Thank you. Or uh, go and see everyone else because they're better than me. No. They're equally as good. That's correct. There we go. No, equally as good. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it is phenomenal. Really phenomenal. Um, we were doing rehearsals because, you know, as, as you know, as improvisers listening know, you can rehearse improv. Mm. Uh, even if your grand says, well, how do you rehearse improv? Uh, you know, it's like rehearsing... Uh, football. Football, there you go. But then... That's where my ability to continue the analogy falls down. Well, yeah. you've got to like pass it back and forth uh, like you would in a football match, but yeah. But you don't know what's going to happen in the match. No. Exactly. It's a game of two halves. 
Uh, so yeah, in, uh, we always have an intensive rehearsal period before like Edinburgh or like any sort of tour or Toronto and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it's just, um, I really admire how disciplined they are. Yeah, we right are, right. they are, the directors. Just again, because of the um, the suggestion in that show, as you may or may not know, is specific musicals. Uh, oh, I just think that is, that is fantastic. I just, every time... In some ways, I forget, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, they do that. That's amazing. It's that just it so clever, but also so joyous." Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the musicians. Yeah, I just, I'm sort of fairly speechless at what the musicians yeah. can do. You know, because you couldn't improvise in that specific style without that that um, without those musical improvisers. I don't yeah. think. Um, yeah, so the, the knowledge and the time and the study that has to go into that is is really quite something, I think. So how much time do you put into keeping up to date with musicals? I'd really do my best, but it's 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 tough. Yeah. Because, for example, um, there are some musicals that I love a lot and know really well because, you know, I wouldn't... Such I wouldn't, as? Um, I mean, The Sound of Music. All Rodgers and Hammerstein I oh, love. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm more like old school, uh, Bob Fosse kind of stuff, yeah. But there's so many new things coming out. I think musicals have had a bit of resurgence, haven't definitely, they? Definitely. Um, so Hamilton, obviously, massive. Um, but there's, I think now there's new things coming out every couple of months yeah. that you need to know. You know, so Waitress is coming out um, in the West End this month as it's come from away. Yeah. Both totally new styles, and you kind of need to know it pretty well yeah because yeah, yeah. it's not just like this musical it's like this song reference yes you know for example if you're doing i don't know mary poppins supercalifragilistic is a totally different song from feed the birds you yes. know which one are you which one are you doing yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah i don't know <laughs> i i do my i do my best but um the answer really is not enough oh <laughs> i should be listening to musicals all, all day, time. every yes. day, to really be... Because you know what? It's the old ones that get you. Like, I really? listen to Phantom of the Opera every now and again just yeah. to remind myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you ask me now, apart from Phantom of the Opera and maybe Masquerade, I can't name all the songs in that musical. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, not all of them, no, mm. but... Um, all I ask of... All I, oh, yeah. All I ask of you. The romantic one. Um, yep. Well, that's why I'm not in showstoppers. That's, that's, I mean, that's no, but, the one but, reason. But again, you know, I mean, what can you do? And, yeah. and I suppose there's an argument also for if you know something too well, mm. um, you, you know, you're not actually singing the song, are you? You're singing an homage to the yeah, song. You're yeah, singing yeah, yeah, a, a yeah, new yeah. version of the song. So, yeah. I mean, you know, for that reason, maybe like Sound of Music is the hardest one to do for me because I love it so much. Yeah. I just literally want to sing <laughs> the songs. So it's quite nice to have a sort of blurred effect. But yes. Yeah. Yes, um, and uh, yeah, um, there's um, a workshop, Katie Shoot. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but I did it at the Maydose Retreat, and uh, it was movie songs. Yes, movie songs. Yeah. Brilliant, thank you. No movie songs, um, and when I did that, we um, she very deliberately chose one person that knew the, the movie and one person that didn't, and yeah. that was a beautiful. Yeah, and again, here we go again. What's the bigger lesson for improv? 
whenever you're in a show and you get a suggestion, you don't know what it is, you know, my blood often will run cold and I'll be like, oh God, but I just have to remind myself that if I don't know what it is, chances are half the audience aren't going to know what it is. Yes, either. yes. Especially with some of those really obscure yeah. new musicals. Like I say, I really do my best to keep up with it, but if I haven't got every bit of that new one, then again, you know, the audience won't either, and that's okay. And we're clowns at the end of the day, aren't we? Yeah. So if the audience watches you making up something and it's absolutely clear that you have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> they're probably going to enjoy that as well. So. And it's also a delightful thing to watch people who don't know a reference trying to um, work out what they should be doing based on what the other yeah. people around them are doing, and that's, yeah. that can be hilarious. I actually remember I had that experience in Mumbai. It was my first ever Showstopper show. And I was singing a song with Nell Mooney and we were doing Wicked. Oh, yeah. And it was, I mean, yeah, it was five, six years ago. So I just joined and it was because there was two gigs, one in Manchester, one in India, <laughs> for God's sake. So I was like, go to India, Heather, and do this mental show, which I did. And I didn't know Wicked at all. I mean, I knew a few things. But they were like, wicked. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I just remember Nell singing a song about Sam Sung Phone. And I was like, why is she doing that weird thing? With, why is she breaking up the syllables of Sam Sung Phone? And now, of course, I'm like, oh, she was doing popular. popular. But I didn't, I didn't know at the time. But I was like, okay, well, she's doing something. So I'm just going to mirror that. And I did, and it was fine. But it was only afterwards I was like, oh, that's what that was. But it was so distinctive, I was like, oh, it's just, it's a pattern, isn't it? It's, yeah. like, it's yes and, it's just listening and saying yes and. And again, if the, the piano starts playing, if you sing something that goes with that, you know, you've got, got a good chance yeah. of, of doing something that people are going to enjoy. So I need to remember to tell myself that when the obscure musicals happen. And, you know, inevitably, sometimes people in the audience are trying to mess with you and are trying to, you know show off that, hey, yeah, I know this thing that was off-Broadway for two weeks and then got cancelled after that. Yeah. But the, th the thing that's crazy is that, I mean, the musicians in that show have, like, encyclopedic knowledge yeah. of that stuff. I mean, I'm doing my best, you, but they are incredible. They are. They are. Yeah. And you are as well. Thanks. See, taking a compliment. It's good, isn't it? Learning. Many things that improv have taught me. One is to say, thank you. Um when you're given a compliment and not to go, ah, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. Thank you. It's hard though, isn't it's it? It's hard, yes. I'm practicing though. Good. Did you, did you notice? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, working on it. Um, you're also in the May Days. Yes. Tell me about the May Days. Um, the May Days are my spiritual improv family been with them for many 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 years and um we do shows at the miller at the nursery every month we have a residency in brighton we're there every month we have our own studio in brighton so if you're ever down there come and i've not seen it. that what's that like yeah we took it on we're very excited it's just been uh, just over a year now of maybe coming out for a year and a half just full-time dedicated space and it's where we run our classes and our um uh drop-ins i mean brighton's not the size of london no. um but we wanted a little home so we have a little home now and it's it's just so nice to have a space with your name above the door and it, yeah it makes a real difference and it really builds a community yeah. as you know as it does in london around um the various places that have have spaces here so it's just nice to have that in brighton after all this time you know mm. 
to come visit. Yes. Well, um, when I lived more closely to Brighton, I remember uh, coming down and doing one of the uh, improvised music workshops on a Saturday, mm. uh, Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, it was lovely. Every time I go to Brighton, I think, why don't I live in Brighton? Yeah, it's lovely. I'm sort of half and half now. It's a bit weird. I've been I've been sucked into the vortex that is London, but yeah, it's good to it's good to have best of both worlds, isn't it? Yes. But yeah, Brighton's lovely, and the community there is is great. I mean, the, you know, the May Day started because of a drop in class in 2003, and that drop in class was attended by Steve Rowe, mm-hmm. uh, who'd never done any improv, and then Steve Rowe moved to London and was like, oh, maybe I should do something here and started hoopla and ballon yeah. and it's just yeah when i think about that it makes my head spin slightly because <laughs> i just you know you think about do you remember that um tv show it was like called comedy connections or something and it was like looking at um people like monty python mm. and all those kind of and it would be like a you know where did they go to university mm. and they actually studied history with this person and then they went off to be french and saunders or blah 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 and yeah i sometimes sort of think about this time in london improv and think about, oh, in my dream, that will be one day people will look at this time yeah. of us all kind of growing and making these theatres and doing all these amazing things. And they'll look back and go, oh, wow, that's how that thing happened and that's how that thing happened. And, and I love that little, uh, yeah, that little, that little May Day's connection in that story. It makes me feel really proud. Yes, yes, rightfully so. Yay. And there's also the May Day's retreat at Osho Leela that happens twice a year. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Stu. Would you like to be my PR person? I would love to be your PR you're person. You're amazing. Yeah, please. Um, have you been to that? Yes, I have. Yeah, yes. I thought you had. Um, yeah, we, people come down to a, a hippie commune in Dorset twice Sometimes a year. Sometimes I think I come on the wrong week. Yes. <laughs> it's like, maybe I shouldn't come there with a load of improvisers. Maybe I should go over there when they're doing all the other stuff yes, that they're doing. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll leave that to the imagination. Or Google it. Or Google it. Not when you're at work. No. Um, no, I, actually, that's it. So we do, okay, so we do a retreat twice a year in Dorset at a community called Osho Leela. We've been there for 12 years. They're incredibly welcoming. They're lovely there. They're they? super lovely. But when we're there, it's, um, you know, we do a sort of takeover. Yeah. So we run all the workshops and it's all improv. But the rest of the time, it's um, a bit more out there, you know, yeah. um, meditation and so on and so forth. But it's a beautiful place. And yeah, like I say, we've been, it will be our 13th or 14th wow. year this year. Um, and there is something so magical about doing a residential. Yes. There is something about getting away, being surrounded by supportive people who are on the same wavelength as you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's a magical experience. Please come. It's my favourite thing of the whole year. It was very good. Yeah. I had to miss it last year because of the European Improv Project. Hey, tell me about that. How, how long you have should, we got? How we, long have we got? We've got enough time to talk about that and have a few more questions. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. I'm... You, yeah. Oh, my God. We've been talking, talking for, for an so hour. long. How, please, can you cut, cut me down? Cut no, out the boring well, bits. It's all, it's all, the problem is it's all interesting. Is it? Yes. But isn't it? It's 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 weird how, in some ways, like oh, an hour is a long time to have a chat. Yeah. And every single one of these, it's mm. like gone in, you know, thirty yeah, it's seconds, mad, and it's something it? an hour has passed. Tell me about tell me about the European Improv Project. I'm going to tell you super quickly, but I just okay. wanted to to share that um, last year I was very fortunate to be uh, asked to be a part of a project called Our Lives, and it was a European Union funded improv project wow. in which they had one improviser from each of the twenty eight countries of the EU come together for this 
yeah, that year and a half long project basically. And um, it was a bit bittersweet because of Brexit, yes. obviously. Don't know what's gonna happen with that. But um, the, the experience of getting to meet all these other improvisers from across Europe and work with them was really incredible. And also the autobiographical nature of it was really amazing. I studied physical theater when I was at college and it was a lot more, you know, devised kind of worthy sort of up its own arsehole sort of theatre but it's quite nice to come full circle and sort of start to look at that again mm. but in a kind of more improvised way um, and there's a documentary coming out about it next April so um, wow. I would really love I would totally share the hell out of it and make everyone watch it because it was it was really magical and it really made me think about um, how the work that we all do is just good for humans and mm. um, helps you explore your similarities and your differences and that's just the best and I, I yeah it's done now so there's nothing to promote which is nice I just wanted to mention <laughs> it because it was so great and um and again you know I, I just I think um there's a there's quite a few groups now traveling improvisers groups and international groups and and to watch people go I'm going to be in this city in this time who can help me out who can hook me up with a workshop or a show and you know improvisers are great and it's such a connecting thing that yeah. um I suppose the reason I wanted to mention it is because it was really inspiring and I think if anyone has a chance to go to a festival or like they're on holiday and they're just going to check out a show, like people are so welcoming and and I think a, a way to um, improve and grow your improv is to see as much as you can, see different styles, mm, see definitely. what's going on. Uh, you know, there's so many things that people think, I, I thought I invented and someone else has been doing them for 50 years or whatever, so I just... Get out there into the world and see it all. Clone yourself <laughs> and go out and see it twice because there's so much cool stuff. Anyway, that's why I wanted to mention that. Brilliant. If someone were to step on stage with you, yes. what could they do to delight you? Hmm. Look at me would be one. Um, that's really boring. No, it's good. What could they do to delight me? Eye contact, very important. Yeah, I think you know, like, I think just when you when you're on stage with someone and you actually like look at each other and connect, that's mm. that's the most delightful thing. Just because I think y your brain plus my brain equals improv, and um, without the other person, you can't do it, or without you, you can't do it. So really, it's just like you plus me is going to make something cool, mm. and so. In that way, they can do anything the fuck they like. <laughs> and I promise you, it's going to delight me. I really, I'm not just saying that. There's, there's, there's pretty much nothing anyone can do that wouldn't delight me on stage, apart from maybe like causing me physical pain. But right. even then, I might be like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> What's going to happen with this? But yeah, there's not, there's not much you could do, really. Because even the stuff like when people... You know, all the stuff you're not supposed to do, like yeah. block someone's idea. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's just going to make something new. So yeah. pretty much being yourself is going to be the thing that would delight me. That's a very Chris Mead answer, isn't it? But, um, that's a good answer. But that's my answer. And big final question. When you're on stage, what's your signature move? What's, what brings down the house, saves the day, is your go-to in a difficult situation? Everyone goes, classic Urquhart. I think you asked me this before. I wonder what I said before. I can't remember. I haven't listened back. Have I been I asking I that probably, question for a long time? No, but I think probably... Has it changed? So in 
I did this, I did Chris's impro bot and he asked me what my rule was. And I think the last one I said was, if in doubt, sing. Oh, right, yes. And then basically that got distilled down to, if in doubt, like, fuck it. Right. So I think if I was being complimentary to myself, I'd say my signature move is like, fuck it. You know, change it up, do something different. Yeah. Like, if it's not happening, be cheeky, <laughs> climb onto someone's lap, sing a song, you know? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. do something unexpected or like something you shouldn't do right do the thing you shouldn't do i would hope would be my signature move lovely i did a show a couple of weeks ago at the comedia and um i can't remember why oh we were singing a song about greg from greg's bakery shop because in this reality he died it was a long plot to do with vegan sausage rolls of course it was but um we ended up at the funeral of Greg from Greg's and we were all <laughs> doing the classic improv thing. Like, well, now we're gonna sing the hymn, but we all sing the, at the same time, <laughs> which was really fun. But we sang it and then I was like, first two. <laughs> and so then I made everyone simultaneously improvise verse two of the hymn about dead Greg. And then I was like, verse three. And I think I made us do four. And there was a little voice in my head that wanted to do like eight. But I was like, no, they will kill me if I do that. But that felt to me like, that felt to me like pure Urquhart. And I was like, mm, this is a bit naughty, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Brilliant. So I hope that's me. That would be me on a good day. I'm sure that is you. Um, yeah, so that's that's me. What did you answer in your 100th podcast that was your signature move? I listened oh. to that, by the way, but I've forgotten what your... Uh... Thank you very much for listening. Um, I can't remember. I, um, I try and change... One of the reasons I ask is so that other people can learn from it and adopt it so they've got more than one signature move. Yeah. The other is for the guest to be aware that it's their signature move so they don't rely on it too yeah. often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know, well, just thinking about what you were saying um, and the, the eye contact, if I don't know what to do, I try and imagine, I'm trying to imagine what would delight this person. Yeah. Try and, let's just have a scene where they get to do something that they're really going to enjoy. Yeah. Um, and especially if you don't know that person at all, that can be a really fun thing. Yeah. Just trying to, just, just from eye contact, yeah. trying to work out something they might really enjoy. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes... You know, it won't work, but you'll, at least you'll have done it yeah. from a good place. If I think I've seen you do that. It does work. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah. It's really human. It's really lovely. I just thought of something a minute ago that I really wanted to do to, at the end, which is um, I used to play this game with Lloydie James Lloyd. We used to play it at night after too much gin. <laughs> and basically, you have to ask as many questions as you can in, like, I was going to say 60 seconds, but we'll just do 30. Just the stupidest questions that you can possibly ask, okay. and the other person has to answer them. Okay. Can I do an example? Of course. Okay. Right, hang on. Is there, we haven't got a second hand. We'll just have to guess 30 seconds. Well, I've Are you going to do it? And then you can do the same to me, and then we're done. Okay. That's great. Yes. Just because I thought I've been, be too ser I've been too serious. I've been too serious. That's fine. It's a serious podcast. It's a serious podcast. <laughs> so, what are you talking it? about? Yeah. Sorry. Right, here we go. Cool. What is up? Um... A film that makes me cry in the first What ten. is Blue Minus Purple? Um, my favourite New Order song. Why are you you? Why not? What is a mushroom? Um, my friend. What's your favourite breakfast? Oh, I like to get um, warm milk up, pour it into Rice Krispies and then dunk custard creams into this. <laughs> See? 
<laughs> when was the last time you cried about something you shouldn't have cried about because it was so insignificant? Um, today, there were Samaritans handing out tea bags and little leaflets uh, at the station I came through. Um, and I had a little bit of a cry on the train because I thought, I'm actually okay, but if I hadn't been okay, how amazing would it have been to be, see that there were people there that cared? That was lovely. See, that was 40, 45 seconds, and we that was amazing. Right, your turn. The, the most stupid questions you can think of. Um, what's your favourite type of milk pudding? Oh, um, uh, rice pudding, but not with dairy milk. Oh, right. What type of milk do you like? Coconut milk. Yeah, nice. That sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> what is your favourite drink? Um, beer. Uh, craft ale. Lovely. Um, what do you think of... Um, facial hair on men. <laughs> uh, I like it as long as it's interesting. Oh, I see. D define interesting in facial hair on men. Um, uh, well kept or terribly kept. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bible says. <laughs> be, be, was it hot or cold, but not lukewarm. Exactly that. We have to end there, right? I think we do. There we go. Anyway, I just, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you very much. And thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Thanks, Stuart. Bye. Bye. I made this. That's improv. That's improv.